Well, this morning we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2, and uh, the theme really of the chapter we're going to look at is that God goes before his people. That's what the spies find out as they go into the land of Canaan, that God has already been there before them. Uh, The closing words of the chapter read like this, then the two men started back, they went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. As we're looking at the book of Joshua on Sunday mornings, I want us to see it as some, a book that speaks to us as God's people today. The Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And in that sense, there's a parallel with what was happening in the days of Joshua as Joshua and the people went in to take possession of the land. And uh, Joshua, in a sense, is someone who points forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we have challenges before us. Sometimes it's it's possible that as Christians today, we just think in terms of surviving as churches. I was listening to a, a report on the radio this morning on the Sunday program about the challenges facing the Church of England and the fact that they're closing many buildings and uh, uh, they're uh, s- stepping down uh, local vicars and clergymen and they're in decline. And uh, that's true here in Wales too. It's something that we've seen through the years. And yet there's this challenge for us to bring the gospel to the people of our day. And perhaps, like the people of Joshua's time, we feel that it's a a big task. In fact, one that is beyond us. And so this theme of God going before the people is an extremely encouraging one for us. And I want us to look at this chapter and see what it has to tell us about what God was doing before ever uh, Joshua and uh, the Israelites entered into the land. Joshua was now the leader, as we saw last week. Uh, He had been commissioned by the Lord and commanded uh, to fulfill uh, the conquest of the land. And he was the leader. And uh, the book of Joshua tells us how they conquered different parts of the land, the center first, then the south, then the north. And... uh, God encouraged Joshua and uh, told him uh, not to be afraid, but to be strong and to be courageous. That's always relevant to us, isn't it? And it was particularly true because 40 years before, Joshua had been a spy, one of the 12 spies going into the land of Canaan. And uh, he and Caleb brought a good report, but the other 10 didn't. And as a result of that, the people didn't enter the land and spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're moving from the wilderness into the land of Canaan again. And in some ways, we might say that churches and Christians today have gone through a wilderness situation. Uh, Many of us have lived through decades of decline and of discouragement. And it wasn't an easy thing for Joshua now to have these people who spent 40 years in the wilderness becoming an army that would conquer the land. And so he was very diligent he again sends spies. And he sends them particularly to Jericho, 
which is the first great city which they have to conquer. It's about seven or eight miles from the river Jordan. And of course they've got to cross the Jordan and uh, they've got to take this walled city and then go on to conquer the land. What a great picture that is for us of the task facing us. We, we tend to think because of COVID of, of restarting, of recommencing our meetings in the church and that's a good thing. But there's something in a sense beyond that, isn't there? A sense of vision, a sense of mission, why we're here. Not simply to maintain our own life as a congregation, but to begin to engage the world around us and the people who live around us and to see progress in the life of the church and of the kingdom of God. In that sense, there's perhaps land or territory that each local church needs to take. And uh, when we're doing that, we need to be confident of God's presence. Because we're told here, he doesn't really go with his people, he does that. But he goes before them. And uh, in fact, as we shall see, the people of the land, and and Rahab in particular, were conscious that God was with these people. As they saw the Israelites coming to the verge of Jordan, it made them very anxious indeed. And so the the work is beginning. The spies are sent out and uh, they go to Rahab and they stay in her house. And so although we have confidence in God and Joshua had confidence in God, we still have to take the necessary steps to do what God has commanded us to do. And uh, Joshua is realistic that the battle ahead will not be easy. And so he sends two trusted men to uh, spy out the strength of the enemy in order that they might encourage Israel as they prepare for the conquest. And uh, I wonder whether we see our, the challenge to us as God's people to engage in, in spiritual warfare, the taking of land, the conquering, uh, in a gracious way of those who now do not know God. And so Joshua's diligent. He's making preparations. To what extent are we making preparations uh, seriously, earnestly for the work ahead? You know, sometimes it's possible when a church doesn't have a pastor to assume, well, things sort of go into abeyance. Well, there's no pastor. And when he comes, well, then we'll get going again. Uh, Well, we shouldn't be thinking like that. There's a work to do now. And when our new pastor comes, that, that he'll be able to come alongside us in that work and to be encouraged by what we are doing. And so the spies went. It was a dangerous mission. And they were going into the enemy camp. They were going right into the city of Jericho. And no doubt Joshua prayed with them, and they prayed as they went. And yet God wonderfully provided for them. Uh, They went to the house of Rahab, the footnote in the Uh, NIV says perhaps she was an innkeeper, but traditionally she's a a prostitute. And uh, they're able to go into her house, in a sense, in a way that is safer than going to other places. People went to her house, and uh, she sheltered them, because the the people knew that somebody had come. Uh, They were conscious that spies had come, the king of of Jericho sends a message to Rahab. 
bring out the men who came to you. It's like that sometimes, isn't it? In our, in our society, you can't do much without a neighbor noticing what's, what's happened. And these men are seen. And uh, bring them out because they've come to spy out the whole land. And uh, so here they are in, in Rahab's house. It's a house in the wall of the city. But Rahab knows who these men are. And uh, she has hidden them. It's a wonderful example, isn't it, of how the Lord protects these men. Uh, He he doesn't give them an army of soldiers to protect them, but just this woman, Rahab. And uh, she takes them and uh, she hides them on the roof uh, amongst the stalks of flax that are laid there. And uh, they're safe because God is protecting them. Uh, In other circumstances in scripture, we find God protecting his people. When the men of Sodom came uh, to Lot's house and he felt under threat, the Lord struck the men with blindness and they weren't able to carry out their evil desires. When Peter was in prison, after James had been put to death, uh, the Lord provided an angel to set him free and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And all these things are telling us that in different ways, sometimes very special and supernatural, sometimes quite ordinary ways, that God protects us as we seek to serve him. That he is a place of safety, a sanctuary for us as his people. Uh, Isaiah the prophet spoke of the Lord as a sanctuary. As Isaiah was prophesying, the Lord said, I'll be with you, don't be afraid. Just trust in me, because I'll be a a sanctuary to you, a place of safety. When Judah was in exile uh, in Babylon, again, Ezekiel was told that the Lord would be a a sanctuary for the people in the countries where they had gone. Uh, We thought a lot during COVID of Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The very real protection of these spies as they went to a city they'd never been to before and there was a house they could go to. It was a house of Rahab and they went there and she was somebody who protected them and it was the Lord's doing, an indication to them that he was with them. And I wonder whether you think of these spies setting off on this dangerous mission, whether you and I venture for the Lord During COVID, we've been doing risk assessments, necessarily because of government regulations. But what about taking risks for the gospel? What do we do that takes us outside our comfort zone? These two men were away uh, from uh, their own people. They were in foreign territory. They were outside their comfort zone. Um, But they were willing to risk their lives in order to accomplish uh, the task of conquering the land. And as they did that, they found that the Lord was with them. As Matthew Henry comments on this passage, he says, those only are true believers who can find it in their hearts to venture for God. He says that's the essence of faith. It's venturing for God. It's trusting him. 
You know, sometimes we're afraid even to speak to people about the gospel in case they take offense or they don't want anything more to do with us. And we've got so many fears. But Matthew Henry says, no, true believers find it in their hearts to venture for God. And congregations of God people venture for God. We step out in faith in him. And the sending of the two spies is the first step in conquering the land. And these men uh, set out in danger of their lives. And they go right into the city of Jericho. And what do they find? Well, that there's a lady. Uh, Her name is Rahab. And God has been dealing with her before ever the spies arrive. Uh, She receives them and uh, she takes them into her house and she hides them. She knows that these men need to be kept safe. And uh, her faith is expressed in her actions. And uh, it's a remarkable thing, isn't it? I wonder how you think about Rahab. Uh, there's a commentary on, uh, on Joshua in which the title of this particular chapter is A Shady Lady. And uh, it's emphasizing that this lady wasn't your normal believer. And I think if we're honest, we often tend to think of, of those who are already believers as sort of different from those outside who are not yet believers. If we're not careful, we begin to think of ourselves as somehow better than they are. But here is this lady involved in a a business uh, which is involved in immorality. She doesn't always tell the truth. Uh, When the king sends his messengers, uh, she says, oh, they've already gone. They've already left. And uh, she sends the pursuers out to try to find them when all the time they're in her house. And when the pursuers have gone, then uh, she lets them down from the window and tells them to hide for a few days and then uh, go to safety. Uh, The end never justifies the means. Uh, We're not called upon in this chapter to say, well, whatever Rahab did was okay. If it was a sin, it was a sin. What she said in telling lies, it was a sin. But for all that, God had revealed himself to her and she says to the people as well. I think today it's very easy to look out on our society today and to be very judgmental and very condemnatory of people in general. It actually becomes a discouragement to us taking the gospel to people because we sort of take a moral high ground and feel somehow that we're better. Well, here's Rahab. Who would have thought that this woman would have had such an amazing insight? And yet the New Testament commends her faith. In Hebrews 11, we're told by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By faith, believing in God. Here's a believer in Jericho, that city that is going to be destroyed. But this lady is a believer. Or in the epistle of James, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Their lives were in danger, her life was in danger if it was discovered that she was siding with the enemy. And so whilst Rahab's immorality and dishonesty are not commended, she is commended as a a lady who believed God. 
and with very little grounds for doing that. She didn't have all the history that the Israelites had of God's dealings with them. But she had heard about what had happened. She's a wonderful example of God's mercy, of his kindness to those who are undeserving. Uh, Her life was sad in many ways, an unhappy life. And yet she was a seeker after God. And just as the Lord opened Lydia's heart in Philippi, he's opened this lady's heart as well. And you know, that's not unusual. That's the kind of thing that our God does. It's the kind of thing our Saviour did. When he was having a meal with a a man called Simon the Pharisee, that woman came in. And uh, she had lived a sinful life in that town. But she was coming to Jesus. And she came with her alabaster jar of perfume and she began to anoint him and to weep and to wipe his feet with the hairs of her head. And uh, Jesus said that her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Uh, That because she had been forgiven much, she loved much. Here's Simon and he's saying, you know, if, if this man, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him and he condemns Jesus but that's the kind of saviour we have whoever we are whatever we have done we can come to him and he will be gracious to us that woman who was caught in the act of adultery by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at the feast of tabernacles in Jerusalem and they dragged the woman caught in the very act And uh, she's dragged into the city, dragged into the temple. And they say, women like this should be stoned. That's what Moses said. And Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all began to go away. And eventually there's just Jesus and the woman. He says, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. It was early in the morning when he said that to her. Just hours before she had been guilty of adultery. The vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus a pardon receives. If we've not been forgiven for our sins, it's because we've never come confessing our sin and asking him for forgiveness. The thing that became an accusation against Jesus was that he welcomed sinners and he ate with them. He was the friend of sinners. And here God is gracious to this lady Rahab. In fact, Jesus spoke very strongly about his calling. I came not to call the righteous, the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. He told a parable about two sons and the father asked the one to do something. He said, I won't. And then the other one said he would. The one who said he won't changed his mind. And he went and did it. And uh, Jesus said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. 
Now that's the other side of it, isn't it? There were those who should have known, who should have believed, but they weren't entering the kingdom. And those who we might least expect to do that did enter. And Rahab did that. She took the impending judgment seriously. And she sought refuge amongst God's people. Because she, she says to the spies, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. I wonder how certain many of the Israelites were that they would be successful in conquering the land. But she says, I know that the Lord has given you this. It's the Lord who does it, not us. He goes ahead of us. And she says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. That was 40 years ago. But she still remembered it. She had heard about it. News had passed around uh, the nations. And what you did to Zion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our, ha our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I know God is God. A most unlikely person. If we'd gone to Jericho and say, well, now who's likely to, to believe in God? Where, where would Rahab have been in our list? Probably not very high. But God had opened her eyes. God had opened her heart. And she knew that safety could only be found by being numbered amongst the people of God. And so she put her trust in God. She stepped out really from identifying with her own people and she identifies with the people of God. And it's an amazing thing because as you read on into the New Testament, we find amazing things about Rahab. She married an Israelite. And uh, she was the father of Boaz, that, that godly man. When Ruth came from Moab and he, she found refuge and she married Boaz. Well, who was Boaz's mother? Rahab. Rahab is there in the family tree of the Lord, as, as is Ruth. And uh, Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Isn't that wonderful? That here Rahab comes from where she was to be numbered amongst the people of God and to be in the line that would lead to the Messiah. Uh, we may not be physically in the line that leads to the Messiah, but we've been adopted into the family of God. The Holy Spirit's been put in our hearts. We can say to the living God, our Father, who art in heaven. And here is this lady, the Lord's gone before. What a, a wonderful thing that was. What a wonderful example of God's grace. We should never give up on anybody. Not only because of Rahab, but because of us. Because of our own experience of God's grace. The Apostle Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Because he knew his sin as he knew nobody else's sin. And he was amazed at God's grace to him. And uh, here is this lady. She knows that God is the true God. And she takes steps to make sure that his people are helped in the conquest of the land. And also she's, 
She's not just concerned about herself. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. And they agree that if she gets all her family into her house when the walls of Jericho fall down, her house will be preserved and everybody in her house will be saved. And you see this immense potential that when one person comes to faith, there's the possibility of others in their family coming to faith too. And uh, the family did come to her house and they came to that place of safety. You see, she was a prepared heart. God had gone before. And uh, how it must have encouraged the spies to hear her saying those things. And I believe that there are people around us today who are prepared hearts. Uh, We've been concerned to come through COVID safely. But it's been something that has shaken our society, the nations of the world. As Christian people, we have been anxious. Those who don't know God have been anxious. Uh, Do we have an eye to the possibility there will be people who will be open to the gospel now, after COVID, who weren't perhaps thinking of him before COVID? Things that were happening remotely, the uh, part of the exodus out of Israel, the, the victory of the two kings, we've heard that. And she says, we're afraid and uh, our hearts have melted. We have no strength. And uh, so I'm crying out to you for mercy. I'm crying out to you for grace. You see, it's the God who goes before us. Things don't just happen when we decide to do something. When we decide to do something, we enter into that which the Lord has already begun to do. And so he gave encouraging tokens of his blessing. I wonder whether we see those signs, signs of God saying, I'm with you. People who are worshipping with us now, who didn't worship with us before COVID. People who've come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And as the spies went back, they went back with greater confidence than they'd had before. And they said, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. And the walls of Jericho were still there, imposing walls. The vigilance of the king of Jericho trying to find the spies. Their close call, having to hide uh, on the roof of Rahab's house and wondering would they be discovered. But when they come back, they've got great confidence that the Lord is going to give Uh, the land to them and that the enemy is is faint-hearted melting in fear is that how we see our situation today you know we often think oh people are very confident they're very arrogant they they think they're they're safe and nothing will ever threaten them really all the things that go on when you sometimes read about people well-known people and the anxieties they have and the fears they have because they are vulnerable And they need to hear about the Saviour. They need to be told about him. In fact, God had told his people earlier in the book of Exodus, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. 
in the book of Deuteronomy is they're about to enter the land. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. The Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. No one will be able to stand against you. All this in Deuteronomy. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. He's telling them again and again, I'm going before you. And we need to believe that, don't we? It's essential to stepping out in faith. So to, to what extent do we have that same confidence that there are people who will come to faith? As Paul was told in Corinth when he was having great difficulties, not to be afraid. No one is going to ha- attack you to harm you because I have many people in this city. Do we have that confidence that the Lord is with us? Because before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples that the Holy Spirit was coming. He was leaving, but another comforter, another counsellor would come to be with them. And he said, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then he says this, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Many years ago, I heard a sermon on that text. And the thing that the preacher brought out, which I think was very helpful, was this. But Jesus, when he made, spoke those words, when he comes, you could add these words, when he comes to you, then he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, came upon the church. And when God dealt with his people, then the world was convinced. And we often pray, oh Lord, do something out there. But perhaps we ought to pray more, Lord, do something in us. The Holy Spirit has come. He dwells in us. He dwells among us. But he needs to stir us up often. And uh, to give us a, a vision, a determination to serve him. These two men set off, just two of them, going into this great city of Jericho. And the Lord protected them. The Lord gave them encouragements. And you see... They couldn't have had those encouragements if they'd stayed the other side of the Jordan. It was only as they went that the Lord encouraged them. Are we what Matthew Henry calls true believers? And in our faith, we are ready to venture. And as a church, we're ready to venture, believing that the Lord will surely give many people uh, into our hands. That is in the sense of bringing them to faith and to coming to know the Lord because the Holy Spirit has come and it's his work to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's a really encouraging thing when you know that we are workers together with God. The work isn't ours, it's his. And because of that, the glory too belongs.